1: everybody welcome to another episode of let me know i'm your host angel Lim. today i'm sitting with dr martin alberto gonzalez well you guys know him as marty moose on instagram he's the author of 21 miles of scenic beauty and then oxnard and he most recently just wrote the key to the city la llave de la ciudad i had martin in 2018 i believe and he was the i think the first guest in 2019 or no 2018 sorry um, he was the first guest and for a couple months no actually till the end of the year he i was doing this i mean that uh, if you've been listening since the beginning i used to do a, a game called sevens so it's a word association game a trivia show a trivia game and he actually set the record i think the first month of the year and his record, his high score stood all the way to the end of the of the year. And man, so that was the episode. First of all, um, I loved this book. And you know me, I'm well, if you don't know me, I'm pretty competitive. And I like, you know, like when it comes to games like this, I don't wanna be the reason why my guests don't get the high score. So, you know, I was like I try to put the best clues as possible. At least that the easiest for me, like if I was getting the the question, like how I, how would I phrase it so I could get it the fastest? So I said something and it kind of offended Marty a little bit. I don't know if it really did, but um, it kind of ruined the the whole the whole flow of the game. And forever, like people would ask me, like, man, like, are you guys cool? Do you guys talk still? <laughs> and I don't think um I don't think we did talk for a couple months um. But, you know, I, I apologize and what else could I do? Just apologize and learn from my mistakes. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, he reached or I reached out to him and he reached out to me. And I told him, you know, congrats. I I seen that he graduated from, he got his doctorate. Uh, and, I, you know, I congratulated him when he did. But then again, like, I noticed, like, oh, man, like, for some reason, I had, like, a delay response. And it just hit me, like, oh, man, this... He's a doctor now. He's like for legitimately a doctor, and that took a long time. And you know, I reached out to him and told him, you know what, you, would you like to come on the show talk about your book? And he agreed to come on. So thank you, Martin, for giving me the opportunity to redeem myself a little bit. And what made it so bad for me the last time is that he had to drive all the way from Oxnard to L.A. And I couldn't that that's a ride right there that's that's it's pretty far like I think like two three hours and, and especially where I live I live like at the end like where the beach is like where the Pacific Ocean is, so that's a pretty long ride and for him to come on the show and i didn't leave i, I don't know if I left the good taste in his mouth or like the best impression, so like for me that was the the worst part that like i i was trying my hardest i think it was the first author i had on the show too so like i was like i was super happy and like it didn't have the best ending so again thank you, martin for giving me an opportunity to redeem myself and you know to put out the word that you got another book i'm a big fan of this especially because it's so short and i was able to read it in one sitting and for anybody that has not checked out 21 miles of scenic beauty I encourage you to go check it out. It's also, it has an audio book or audio form. Anywhere you listen to music, it's available. I think an Apple music, um, I heard it on Spotify. So that one's 15 miles of beautiful brown people. So I encourage you to check it out and go get, get the book. So he, like I mentioned, he has 21 miles of scenic beauty and then this Oxnard. And also the key to the city, the key to the city is a great book, uh, especially for, for children, you know, um, in the, in the episode, he goes and tells us, um, why he wrote this book. Uh, he was trying, he's trying to reach as many people as possible. And he had a hard time reaching out to the little ones, you know, from, from kinder to fifth grade. So this book is target towards them. Anybody actually, it doesn't necessarily have to be a child anybody at any age could you know understand the message and I think it's an important one you know it, going back to our culture um all we see all I see on media is like oh, I'm proud to be my, this culture or this culture but they don't really celebrate it as I, I feel they should and this book does celebrate it it teaches you a lesson that sometimes you just need to go back to those roots and Um, You and you hold this knowledge that not everybody knows it or or has it So it'd be a shame if you keep it for yourself, you know, but um uh, I highly encourage you to get this book if you have a niece nephew child somebody anybody that you know doesn't Speak one language or is hesitant uh, to learn it. This is a great book You know it, it, it points out the positive side of knowing something, of knowing a language, or being part of a culture, or or ethnicity. So you get your books at vivaoxnard.bigcartel.com/products. You can go to Marty Moose on Instagram, and his Twitter is Scholar for the number four, R M O Ox. All right, so Scholar from Ox and don't forget all this information is available on the description so if you're on instagram it's right there and if you're checking this out on itunes or spotify you no, know, you can just click directly and i'll send you to to the link or i'll send you to his page all right guys that's it for me go get your books i am doing a giveaway so make sure you listen to the whole episode to find out how you could enter all right let's listen to this interview with Dr. Al- Martin Alberto Gonzalez aka Marty Moose oh, oh, People That's part of the rap movement that many of the Luciferian corporations are controlling. That's um, trying to push what they want to be. They're replacing what is called hip hop today. Uh, Again, it was somebody who lived the culture. You could tell by the way they dressed. You could tell by the way they spoke and the words that they used.
2: From the projects, my people's out for the dollars, uh. Windows 10 when I come within the city limits. Enjoy the view but don't be
1: fooled by the images. It's just a tribute attributed to the lineage. Rapping aficionados, the
2: city, little Chicago, uh. Ox City, where I learned to rock a feedie. Graduated from the tapes to the CD. Bleed ingredients, I'm needing ox Hall Started ciphers in backyards. Last call for
1: alcohol, rhymers that never lack boss. Ox City, home of Loop, diggers in Madden. Beats to the pioneers, thank you for the classics. Master the craft, reminiscing this photographic. Traveling the world, never changing my demographic. 95 JDI, sneakers, we sport Adidas. Won't be boxed without the Oxman, peace to the Garcias, the oxygen I breathe. Out of your box that I listen to, the auxiliary core, blunted. To the mic that I'm ripping it to the blocks that I'm raised. Some things will never change. Boom out the boom box, rocking it nowadays. Uh. Yeah, I know. City will raise me and made me switching lanes, dipping down. Willie hit J Street daily till it pays me. Yeah, gangs breed Unity, so ain't no one on ones. When you stuck between the one and the one on one, sunshine the buzz, 805 still to the sus. Chill, let me know the love's real. Still getting paper, they connecting like the Boulevard and saviors. Old money, famous, retired and frame the page of the five Where I came to survive, left the blocks till it's ox from Lime's Park to the surfside. Life in California, pops raised in Colonia, moved to the west. So we just no diploma for this biz, zona money. Told homies, stay in school, streets get colder. Fallen soldiers, it's past hard to stay sober. Small city, big dreams. Form land, so I plant plans in earth Green. OHD, get the money. <laughs> what's up everybody uh welcome back uh y'all already know who i'm with but in case you missed it today i'm sitting with dr martin alberto gonzalez aka marty moose
2: hey what's happening how's everybody doing
1: yeah so i mean you, like i'm on the, on the intro like i mentioned you know i had him on back in 2018 january 10th 2018 to be exact and you know this is one of the the episodes that i mention a lot um it, it's very it's impactful and you know, the message was great, but like, you know, the way I ended the show was not my best, but um, you will be happy to know that I don't do that game anymore. At least I haven't been doing it since the pandemic, you know, started. So um, I'm going to find a new way to offend you, but don't worry about that. I, I am going to do it, but I'm just going to have to find a new way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So so first of all, you know, I want to know how you are. How you been? Like I said, um, when I had you on was 2018. Yeah, and you know a lot has happened
2: you know like Definitely. with you you got your doctorate I think you were still going to school right mm-hmm. yeah at the time that you first interviewed me I was I was almost gonna finish I think I had like a year and a half two years left so yeah I was still in school so a lot has happened
1: well I mean catch me up what you've been like well what you've been up to what has what's been going on with your book I've been seeing it blow up dude so congrats on that
2: yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate you. And, and thank you for always supporting me. Thank you for having me on the show. You were one of the first people who ever invited me. So <laughs> I, I remember like that was a big deal to me. And and I'm just grateful that you continue to support me by sharing my work and, and continue to invite me to, to be on your show. So last time we talked, I had just finished writing the first book, which is 21 Miles of Scenic Beauty and then Oxnard. And I believe the first time we met only the English version was out. Yeah. And, and it, it made me kind of, I was frustrated of that. I was frustrated because of that, because, um, a lot of my, I, I'm from Oxnard, California and Oxnard, California is predominantly Latinx. There's a lot of Brown people in Oxnard. And, but in particular, there's a lot of Brown people who speak different languages, not just Spanish, but other languages too, indigenous languages from their home, right. From, from their home countries. And so for me. Last time I, I met with you, the, the mission that I had is I'm glad that the English version is out, but I'm sad that my mom can't read it because uh-huh. my mom doesn't read English. Okay. And so for me, the next thing I, I decided to do right after I got off the show and, and I was just working on other projects is what can I do to make sure that the English version, the English version gets out and that people get it in their hands, specifically parents, right? And so that was that was a big project that I had going on. But in addition to writing the the book in spanish which i didn't write entirely i didn't translate it i didn't translate it entirely by myself mm-hmm. i'll be the first to admit that i'm not perfect in spanish mm-hmm. and so i reached out for help i got in i got a, a a homegirl of a homegirl to help um edit the book translate it and so it was a great process so I, I did that and then on top of the spanish book i also uh you know just trying to finish it up my trying to finish up my program to to get a to get a PhD you need to complete what is called what is known as a as a dissertation some people call it a thesis and the the university where I was at in particular department that I was at told me your dissertation could not be less than 150 pages. Oh wow yeah so I was like oh my God so I had to put in work on that so that took a long time when I was working on my dissertation I basically hid from everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was on. A, I was in the library every single day. I, I went to the same desk. I went to the same. You know, I had the same chair next. Uh, I sat next to the same window. The librarians knew me, so I was in the library. So basically, I spent like about a year just by myself writing that dissertation. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically where, where I've been at. And I've just been uh, teaching. I've been visiting schools. I've been trying to, you know, just trying to make some moves. Trying to trying to find try to find ways to have conversations with you to think about their future to think about ways that they can improve themselves ways that they can use their talents ways that they can use their knowledge uh, how to use their knowledges for certain way to empower each other but also to empower the community so that's basically a little a little brief overview of what I've been up to since last time we chatted
1: and what was your dissertation on cuz you know like yeah. when I saw I saw you posted something and like, them congratulating you on actually getting your doctorate. Like, I got emotional. And Aww. I don't even know. I could only, like, I don't know what it was about. But, I mean, I could tell it was a lot of work. And I, got I like, I could. I was getting a little teary-eyed, to tell you the truth. Like, I <laughs> was watching you. it right now before we jumped on. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, yeah. this is a big move. And I didn't even get this. <laughs> so, like, tell me what was it on. And, like, what was yeah. it
2: like? Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Um, thank you for that. Thank you. It, it means a lot. It, it, it's kind of like it was hard for me to to realize that I completed it because I defended. So basically what happens is, what I did is I, I interviewed Mexicans, Mexican-American, Chicano students at a, at a predominantly white university.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And my goal was to understand what happens when, when brown students go to a white university, what happens? How do they feel about that? How do they navigate that? Um, and what ways do they feel uncomfortable and what ways do they feel comfortable? How do they support one another? And so that was basically the main topic. And so I spent three years, I spent three years chilling and interviewing and and talking to Mexican, Mexican American and Chicanx. The reason why I say those three different identities is because not every single student identified as one. You Mm -hmm. get me? Well, Some of them identified as just Mexican. Some of them identified as Mexican American and others identified as Chicanx Mm -hmm. with the X. And so, um, with the X in the front and then the X in the, in the back too, right? At the end to, 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 to indicate that they're gender non-inclusive, right? Gender non-conforming. And so, um, so basically I interviewed them and, and what I have to do is I have to transcribe the interviews. I interview kind of like what you do with podcasts, right? You, you do the interviews and if someone needs captions, you have Mm -hmm. to type them up, right? Oh, you know, Martin said this, Angel said this, right? And so I had to do all that. And then after I type up all the interviews, I look at them for similarities between them, mm-hmm. between the, the people. So I followed around and I chilled with 20 students mm-hmm. and I was with them for like three years. And I would, I would chill with them, we would protest together, we would hang out, we would interview, we would do so many great things. And these are just, these are still some of my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my friends, some of the people I talked to, they helped me, I helped them in whatever ways I can. And so basically um, that's what my dissertation was about was trying to find ways to tell stories about what happens when Brown students going to white universities but in particular a lot of the students that i was interviewing came from brown communities Mm, okay right and that's not surprising that's not surprising because there there are reports that come out that tell us that usually brown students go to school with brown students and white students go to schools with white students Hmm. very rarely do we get diversity when it comes to schools right high schools and so that was the mission of the project and you know The thing that I love the most about the project is that I wrote stories for my dissertation. And and that was something that was very uh, kind of like, that's not normal. It's not normal. They, they want you to, usually when you write a dissertation, a lot of people would write a traditional dissertation, which is very academic, maybe mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the, this is my hypothesis, right? This is, this is my a literature review and all these different fancy terms, <laughs> fancy terms. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I get confused. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> but I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to write stories using the interviews. Mm-hmm. Right. So let me give you an example. One of the things, one of the things that came out out of the interviews was that brown students had a hard time navigating and dealing with white privilege on campus. They felt like a lot of the white students, they owned the campus. They felt like the white students owned the campus, and it's like, no, I pay tuition here. I, I I'm, I'm also a student here, right? I'm also entitled to the resources that the campus, that the university has to offer, right? And so, check this out. So, in one of my interviews. A participant said that it snows year round at this university, snows year round and I don't know any place in the United States. I don't know, maybe in the mountains, but not even then where it snows year round, right in the United States. And so I asked them, what does that mean? And 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 they said that dealing with snow in the winter is hard enough, but then you have to deal with whiteness all year long. Uh And so that became a story. And it's called That story's called It Snows You Around Right <laughs> It's like How do they deal with that uh-huh. It was a metaphor It was a powerful metaphor I yeah, wish yeah. I would've thought of that But it was a participant I gotta give the participant credit Yeah, yeah. So that, that's That's an example of like The different stories that I tell mm-hmm. Right So
1: so was it like you did, did you do it that way Because I mean It's comfortable for you Since you You wrote 20, 21 Miles of scenic Beauty And then there's the XNAR So you're essentially doing that In your book already So was it like like did those two things like I'm sure those two things weren't a coincidence. Like you already did the book, so you you put two and two together, something that you're familiar with. You're like, my well, you know, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it my way. Mm-hmm. And this is the way I've been I, I already did this book. So let me apply the knowledge that I gained from doing this into mm-hmm. my dissertation to becoming a doctor. Like it was exactly really,
2: okay. That's yeah. exactly it. But but also I want but also another thing that I wanna mention is that Storytelling happens a lot in my house with my family, mm-hmm. right? I have I have siblings and I have primas and primos que le echan mucha crema a los tacos, right? Mm-hmm. Always yeah. telling stories, always exaggerating, right? Always giving, giving the emphasis, giving the jokes when they're telling the story. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I realized that that's something that has been passed down to me, whether I liked it or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so what I thought in my head was, if I'm good, if my family has taught me to tell stories in different ways and I have to write something, why don't I write stories to become a doctor? And I wish I could give this, and I want to give this advice to everyone, but it's not that easy. Uh, I give a lot of, I give a lot of recognition and a lot of props to my committee, doctors, uh, Asia Martinez, Mario Perez, uh, Gretchen Lopez, um, Dalia Dalia Rodriguez. Those were the people who supported me, and those were the people who backed me up and said, "You can do stories, and we're gonna back you up
0: nice.
2: because we know we know that you know how to research. You've already proven that to us. Mm-hmm. Basically, the doctorate is supposed to tell people that you know how to research, right? The PhD." Yeah. It's supposed to tell people like you know how to do your stuff so they told me we know you know how to do this you've proven it through all the classes you've taken with us so now we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt or we're going to give you the, the encouragement and the motivation and the inspiration to write stories mm-hmm. and that be count as research that's and so nice. I was like, Damn, that's dope but you know it, it's very hard for students to do that mm-hmm. because you need to have the right crew around you you need mm-hmm. to have the right crew supporting you and you need to have the you know and and these faculty that i just named right now they weren't like, they weren't taking it easy on me because they knew they had to be extra hard on me because I may not pass.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They wanted to make sure I have everything, no incorrections, no every all grammar was correct, everything. Mm-hmm. So that was um, so that was a great process. And I'm just fortunate that I got a lot of support to do that process. But not a lot of people get that opportunity to because they're encouraged to write a traditional dissertation where I talked about all those fancy words and you sometimes you can't even understand what's going on. <laughs> right yeah yeah so um are you back in oxnard right now i'm visiting oxnard right now but i actually um i go back and forth i tell people i live in two i live in so many different places but i mostly go back and forth from oxnard california to seattle washington okay so i'm back and forth so is syracuse in new york yeah syracuse is in upstate new york right that's why i graduated but i don't live there anymore it's been a long time it's been about a year and a half All all right yeah well um So tell me
1: about Oxnard right now since you're visiting. So what is it like with the pandemic going on? Like, how has it affected Oxnard?
2: Yeah. So let me, let me hit you with an article that I just read. And, and I wish, I wish I had the name of the person who said this. I don't, I don't want to give, I I don't want to, um, give the name because I don't want to get it incorrect. But basically there was an article that came out about Oxnard and and how, and how the people in Oxnard are kind of like dealing with the pandemic. And one of the quotes that said, there was a quote that said, you cannot pick strawberries through zoom, Mm. right? You you can't, and I, and I, I, I'm so sorry. I want, I I think I know who said it, but I don't want to say the name Uh because I don't want to get it wrong. But for, for for, all you have to do is Google that you cannot pick strawberries through zoom. And so that gives you a glimpse Mm -hmm. of how many essential workers are here in Oxnard continuing to feed the country, but still. Con- continuing to not be acknowledged as a central worker and not giving workers rights, giving workers compensation, giving that extra uh, overtime for putting in that work. And so in Oxnard, there's a lot of hardworking people and the pandemic did not stop the hard work. It's unfortunate because the pandemic should have given us all a break to okay. be at home, to be safe. But the people here, you know, some live check by check. And, you know, some of them, all they know is hard work. So they're going to go out, you know, and potentially risk that, risk that, that opportunity or risk that chance, that chance of, of gaining or potentially being exposed and contracting the virus. And so that pandemic has been really difficult. And one of the things that are, that, that folks are pushing in particular, a lot of youth and a lot of local organizations is rent control. Because although there are a lot of hardworking people that continue to going to work, there are some people who literally couldn't go to work because of their pre-existing conditions. They had to stay at home. And so those, they're being, those folks are being hurt financially, but yet they're still being expected to pay rent. Yeah. And so currently that's kind of like what the situation is going on. That's something that I'm constantly paying attention to is, is whether or not the city council, because the state of California didn't pass it, right? No, they didn't no. pass the rent control. Mm-hmm. but it, you could still pressure city councils you could still pressure local officials to consider something equivalent to rent control
0: mm-hmm.
2: right and so that's something that i've kind of been thinking a lot about lately and and just trying to find ways to support trying to find ways to support in whatever ways you know i can right now
1: mm-hmm. so so like how, how i mean everything you do and, and like from my perspective is political like you just like what you just touched upon that's political but that's you know that affects your city that affects your people and i understand so like where did that passion come from like obviously you've seen the people but like specifically like who did it affect that you felt like man like this person can't do it i have to
2: do it for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i want to i want to touch back on something that you said that was very important right. you said that a lot of what i do seems political yeah right I don't see it as political. I don't see it as political. Mm-hmm. I see it as personal. Okay. Right. I say that, I see it as like, it's humane to do this. Like, like for reals, let's think about, like, what are some arguments to not pass rent control? No, what is, I, I mean, no, no, they're unless all, you're the landlord. No, right? unless you're the landlord. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying, yeah. but, the, but, but, for reals, for reals, let's, let's, let's be serious really quick. I want mm-hmm. the listeners to, to listen to this question that I got for them. Think of an argument. Against rank control. Think of that argument. Well, who gains, who loses,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? You can think of arguments, but if you really, really listen to the arguments that you put forth, they sound almost ridiculous. They sound almost ridiculous, right? Like almost to the fact that you have no consideration of human being life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I hope that that's one thing that the pandemic is, is teaching us that there should have been a lot of services. There should have been a lot of resources being given to folks who need them at times that are hard, but now because everyone's being hit at the same time. Now, all of a sudden people are seeing that times are hard for people, Mm -hmm. but before the pandemic times were hard for people, but people weren't seeing it because they weren't being directly affected by it. Right. So. I just wanted to mention that really quick. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay, but the other thing, Angel, that you—the question that you had—is what influenced me, right? What influenced me? That's a great question. I get asked that question almost every single time, and and I have so many different answers, but it really comes down to me being the youngest of my family. That's what influenced me because, as the youngest of seven, there are seven beautiful brown kids that my mom had and my dad, and all from the same mom, all from the same dad too, right? And um, For from, from my family, I was the youngest and I got to see so many different things. I noticed that my siblings were so talented. And I noticed that my siblings were hardworking and they wanted to make my parents proud. And my mom and my dad, they wanted their children to be the best too. It was, it was like a mutual agreement that we didn't even sign. We didn't even sign the paper. And it was kind of, it was expected that we should have went off to college and that we wanted to do great things and that we wanted to help financially so we can buy each other things and houses and cars and clothes and, and shoes. But, but what I noticed is that although we had a contract an, uh, an unwritten contract, I noticed that society and schools and in particular institutions like schools weren't respecting that contract. And I started noticing that even my brothers and my sister who were so talented weren't given the opportunities to continue on and do whatever they wanted to do in life. Right. Because of their identities, because of their, because of the fact that my parents were not familiar with the schooling system. Right. And so that, that's I feel like that's where it started. As a youngster, I started noticing some things that I knew weren't right. I was like, how is it that my brother can take apart a computer at a time where computers weren't popular, can put it together, can jailbreak it, can do so many different things and still doesn't have his own business and still doesn't have this and still doesn't have any certificates from universities? Mm-hmm. How? How does that work? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. And so um, that, that's kind of like where it started. And then I started noticing that it wasn't just happening in my family, that it was happening to my vecinos and my vecinas, that it was happening to the people across town in Oxnard, that it was happening to other folks in Oxnard, that there was a lot of talent that wasn't being invested in, or there was a lot of talent that was being neglected or was being suspended, right? This talent was being suspended for, for having saggy pants or for 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 looking at the teacher wrong because you rolled your eyes. Those were the experiences and those were the observations that really got me thinking and it really got me, got me mad. It got me mad. That's more than anything. It made me really angry. It made me really angry that that I can meet someone who has a PhD. Outside of Oxnard And know Wow I know somebody Who's just as talented Just as smart If not smarter From Oxnard But that person Didn't get that opportunity That's kind of What what drives it
1: And all right, So now on that You have You're from Oxnard You have a PhD So how has that Helped you Like you just came back To Oxnard I'm assuming To visit your family For a little bit Before you go back Mm -hmm. You know To Seattle Um, But you know the pandemic hit. You got your PhD. Like what was the plan?
2: The plan has always been from day 1 to come back to Oxnard or come back to a university near Oxnard to become a professor at the university mm-hmm. and to find ways to recruit students. When I was in when I was in high school, I remember this very I remember this very vividly. The only people who got recruited in high school was either really good athletes or the mili- folks who were interested in the military. I didn't see enough recruitment for academics. It was just, I could have been blind. I could have not noticed it, right? Maybe it was my bad. I could have been blind to it. I could have may- maybe not noticed it. Maybe, maybe it was my bad. But, but the reason why I don't think it's my bad is because I always ask students who come from similar schools, not just here in Oxnard, but in other cities where I go present. And I asked them, Have you ever been recruited academically to go to Stanford, to go to Berkeley, to go to UCLA, what about Syracuse? And they tell me the only recruits I see are, you know, if you can run a a fast 40, if you, if you can jump over, you know, this, this, and that, if you can do something good athletically, or the only recruiting I see is, you know, for folks who are interested in the military, right? Some, and then some people have even gone far, far enough to tell me that some of the military recruiters have their own offices on campus, and I said, wow, very interesting. And so for me, that's what I'm thinking about is how can I be that person that comes to your university to recruit you intellectually? Not because you're physically gifted, no, to recruit you because I think that you have talents. Yeah, and you may not even think you have talents, but I see it in you. So come with me, follow me, and when I'm gonna give you some classes, and I'm going to help you out. And maybe I'm going to establish a center at the university and we're going to keep it going. Right. And then you're going to come back and you're going to come back and teach at this community. Or you're going to come back and be a service provider. Or you're going to come back and be a social worker. Or you're going to come back and be a principal. Whatever you're trying to do. Right. You're going to come back.
1: And hey, that's what's up. That's awesome. Um, So the the right now, a huge piece to that puzzle, you're accomplishing that is 20 mi- 21 miles of scenic beauty, right? Mm-hmm. So the book, you published it and you put it out in English, right? And then you yeah. published it in, in Spanish. And then you wrote the audiobook. You did the audio book on it. Yeah. And now I know you did a colouring book on it. And now you got the key to the city, right? Yeah. But before we get into the key to the city, what was the what was the feedback? What was the like you put it out? Cause I've been seeing everything, like everything you're putting out. Like now it's a curriculum at um at um what's damn i forgot the university but it's now it's a part of a curriculum now i think they're teaching it in a local high school right now it's part of your local library so Mm -hmm. when you wrote this book like obviously you this was a dream for you like you wanted all these things to to come true but like what is it like now that you have accomplished it you know how do you feel like did did you ever think that this was going to be a possibility like you wanted it to be but were you, did you think it was possible for like your book have to have this much impact on the, your community or exactly the people that you wanted to um impact
2: yeah that's a good question i mean the one thing i want to tell you angel is that this was not my dream mm, okay my dream was to never write i hate writing <laughs> this was not i still is that i hate writing it's not my dream right okay um the one thing that changed between me hating writing and what is now known as the books and everything else is that there was a professor who told me that writing or papers are just a form of communication how do you communicate with your gente Mm -hmm. whatever way you communicate with your gente that's how you should write Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh damn i will let me just throw in jokes let me just do you know throw in some slang let me just do me Mm -hmm. and so then it became less of an assignment and more of a hobby, more of, it, of excitement, right? It, it became less of a struggle to write, but more so, a, more of a of a passion because I started writing ways where I I didn't have to I didn't have to stick to grammar rules. I didn't have to stick to different things, right? But obviously, the book is still grammatically correct. I mean, you read it. You there aren't that many typos. There are a couple here and there that I've caught, but other than that, it's solid. But it's just the way that I speak. The way that I write English and Spanish without translating, that's an example of what I mean. Why do I have to translate for you? No one translated for me when I was learning English and these fancy words, right? And so that was one thing. Um, So I want to ask you this question, Angel, um, is my my community, like a lot of communities of color, right? Mm Right. Wherever I go, I, and it's, it's so interesting. It's so interesting. I know why it is. I'm not gonna tell you the answer. I know why it is, but wherever, <laughs> everywhere I go and I speak to little kids and I speak to adults and I speak to professors and whoever I'm speaking to, I ask them, have you ever, is, is there a part of your town where people tell you not to go? Mm-hmm. And they always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know where it's at, it's over there. Don't, don't go there, don't go there. <laughs> and, I, and I always ask them, who lives there? And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, I, I, I don't want to say anything, right? All of a sudden, it gets awkward, right? All of a sudden, it gets awkward. But I started noticing that a lot of times when they tell me, oh, yeah, it's all bad right there. And ask them, who lives there? They'll be like, oh, well, you know, brown, black people live there. Brown and black people live there, right? Poor brown and black people. And I'm thinking like, Wow. it's almost like a theme that I've been seeing across the country, wherever there are brown and black people, regardless of if they're poor or not, they don't even have to be poor. They just have to be black or brown. That reputation of the community is going to be bad. I started noticing that. Like almost like if if you super, the darker you are and the darker your community is, the worse the reputation is going to be. Yeah. Even if it's not true. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know if you noticed that angel, but that's what I've been noticing. Okay. So check this out. So, I, so I'm saying that to tell you that that's kind of like the reputation that Oxnard has, has has right? It's not so much that we have, we, we don't, um, so we do have, I told you earlier, we have a lot of brown people. Um, we don't have as many black people as we used to, but we still have black people. But a, maj- a lot of folks in Oxnard are low income, right? And so what do you think that reputation is going to be?
1: Like poverty, like. Maybe stealing,
2: you know, committing crimes to be able to support themselves. Yeah, exactly. And so check this out, Angel. You read my book. You know what my book is about. Mm -hmm. Imagine you reading my stories. My stories tell you the exact opposite. The stories in my book tell you about all the beauty that's in Oxnard. Imagine if your whole life you were being told that Oxnard is such a bad place. And then you come across my book that's telling you, nah, it's just how you explain it. It's just how you analyze it, that's making it a bad place. How do you think that would make you feel? Which part? How do you think it would make you feel if you read my book when you when your mind was already set on Oxnard being bad because there's a lot of brown and black people, or because there's a lot of brown people and some black people there?
1: Well, like once you read, like once you read your stories, then you're gonna see from you your viewpoint, the way you read things. Like you're gonna start noticing those beautiful things that you might have took for granted at one point, or that you know you, you you see but you just don't notice because your attention goes t- towards the negative.
2: Exactly. Exactly. But let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever had conversations or have you ever have you ever noticed that some people you could you could tell them you could show them all the resources you could you could tell them all the powerful testimonies but they're still kind of set in their ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate like and and i'm not i'm not here to tell you that those people will never change because they could potentially change it's just constant conversations right but what i'm here to tell you is that one thing that has happened is that there are some people who genuinely believe that there is nothing but bad things in oxnard so when they read my book they hate my book mm-hmm. because they think that oxnard should only be bad things right because they think that i should have only talked about all the crime because I've, I should have only talked about all the gang violence, right? But I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of crime in other places too. In wealthy communities, yeah, it's called white collar crime. They make more, more way more money than we do with their crimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: And they get and penalized
2: way less than this. <laughs> Yo, they don't even get cat, they don't even get caught half the time, right? True, true, yeah. So imagine that. Imagine you're setting your ways about how you think about Oxnard, and then you come across my book. It's gonna make you mad. It's going to make you hate it. Yeah, it's going to sure. make you do, you know, do some things or, or say some things that, you know, that you, you just think about, right? Yeah. And so it, I've gotten a lot of love and I'm fortunate, but you get a handful of people who are set in their ways about how Oxnard should be and how people should talk about Oxnard that are very angry about it. Mm-hmm. Very angry about me pointing out the positivity. Very angry about me explaining the negativity differently without blaming my people and so you get these mixed feelings but I absolutely get more of the positive but I don't want to forget about the negative feedback that I get because yeah. I'm always trying to understand why is it that you feel that way well, is-
1: well like my perspective like right now from what you just said something like like you you use that negativity that people have about your city that you saw that like people would notice and you use that same fuel, to be where you're at now. Like you wrote a book to talk about the positive side of it because people were noticing all that negativity. So, I mean, some people need that. Like you need that negative thing in your life to be able to push you forward and something positive to, Cause at the end of the day, you don't wanna be stuck in the same place, you know? And maybe for them, they can't, they don't wanna see the positive because then their goal that they'll never reach that goal because that thing that's feeling them will be gone so mm-hmm. but at the same time you know obviously i know you don't take it personal but you know like i i, I see that i see your viewpoint and it's beautiful you wrote a book about it and then from all the stories i've read through on your instagram like you're doing something super positive mm-hmm. but at the same time like i do see because i use I, myself I, I use negative things in my life that i've experienced to be able to push me and to do good things towards my community. Like mm-hmm. as a child, I was a fuck up, like straight up. Like I was breaking people's windows. I almost killed the guy. Mm-hmm. But I like all that, that negativity, that negative karma. Like I'm trying to bring positive and positivity into my life now as an adult. And I'm trying to be as helpful as possible. I'm trying to kind of get rid of like trying to get as much positive that I, as, that I had negative. Mm hmm. Into my life So it will be a better person You know Yeah As an adult But But yeah man I, <clears throat> Excuse me I do agree with you But Yeah like You're doing a great thing man I, I, I'm so happy for you Thank you And I don't know Where I was going after this So <laughs> My nah, bad
2: You're good You're good You're good, you're good.
1: <clears throat> But like I do want to know Like what, what story sticks out for you Like of all Everybody that's read your book All the schools that you visited Colleges All the TED talks you've done presentations like what story sticks to you the most
2: Yeah, there's so many there's so many but that's a great question the 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 one that i'm gonna hit you with is um there was there was somebody a friend of a friend who had a, a relative who was incarcerated right who was in jail locally not too far right I don't know if he was in jail or, the, I don't know if this person was in jail or in prison. I don't know if this person was in jail or prison, but they were in, they were locked up, right? And um, and for some reason, my book got in there, right? My book got in there and they told me that people would read my book and pass it. Read my book and pass it. Mm-hmm. But But the other thing that I remember is that I remember having a conversation with this person and this person said, yeah, like this is before the book got in. Right. Actually, I it was before the book got in. And this person, this person said, um, yo, you know, I, you know I, I really like your book. I really like your book and everything, but but I don't think they're gonna accept it. They're not gonna accept it in here. And I was like, well, what you mean? And 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 I, and he was and this person was like, um, well, I, I'm just trying to figure out like they don't they don't allow for uh, nonfiction books to be Read here, or something like that. There was like a certain criteria. I don't know if this is true. I doubt it's true. Right. But it was basically like, yeah, like they don't allow for books that are, are like based on true things. They don't, they, they don't allow nonfiction, which means not fake. They don't allow not, not fake books here. They only yeah. allow fiction books. I don't think that's true, to be honest with you. But this was a conversation. Uh-huh. And, but, but here's, here's where it's going. Let me tell you where it's going. Okay. Technically speaking, 21 miles of scenic beauty and then Oxnard is considered. A fiction because i created stories mm-hmm. with people with people who are in my imagination that pe- the people in the stories that i created in, in 21 miles of scenic beauty are are created through experiences that i've had through books that i've read through research that i've done mm-hmm. so one individual one individual in that story can have experiences that I've had, that my primos had, that I saw different things. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 Okay. So check this out. So when this person told me, oh, your, your book is non-fiction and I said, nah, it's fiction, it's fiction. But let me tell you what that meant to me, Angel. Basically the book, basically what that meant to me and what he was trying to tell me is that your book is so real, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that you made up stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right,
2: you kept it so real that I didn't even know that the stories that you were telling me were not real. Yeah, I didn't even know that because <laughs> I created settings and I created characters through my imagination. But these settings and characters mean something because I've been there, I've done that, mm-hmm. right? So, that's that, that's pretty. That's probably one of the coolest conversations that I've had where someone thought that every single story in my book was real, yeah, because they lived through it too. Because mm-hmm. they've noticed the same things that I noticed. But I am i was there to tell them that, nah, it's not real. It, I made it. It was in my head. I made it up. Yeah. It up, right? So that was pretty cool.
1: That's what's up. That's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. for them to be tricked like that. And, yeah, I mean, that's great. Well, now let's shift back to what you came here to promote. The kid to the city. <laughs> so I i really like this book, man. It's nice and short, right up my alley. But I <laughs> did. i what the, the thing I did like is you're not a hypocrite you wrote this book in spanish and english in the same book so the the book the the theme is like being true to like going back to your roots being true to yourself and understanding and loving where you came from or at mm-hmm. least that's what i took from it
2: no absolutely no, the,
1: the like like for chicanx latinx hispanic latino whatever you identify you know of some descent you know like if you speak spanish or it was your main your first language you know yeah um, like for some you know they're not they're ashamed they're ashamed of speaking that you know in this book th- that's pretty much the theme of it you know you have the main character which is you um you're in the bus basically and somebody asked for directions right mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, the, pretty much. I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to keep telling the story because I think I already said too much, even <laughs> saying that. Um, but yeah, going being true to yourself and understanding the impact that being selfish with with um having that knowledge, but being selfish with it, mm-hmm. with that effect that it has on like the basically the future and your community,
2: right? Absolutely, you got it. That's that's exactly it.
1: Yeah, if you ask me to write write it down, I don't know. I don't know what I just said, but Not like, a, uh-huh. I want I want to know what inspired the book uh, for you to write it, because obviously this is something that we all see,
2: uh-huh.
1: and we experience it at some point. Like being in America, like you hear that all oh, you're in America, speak English, whatever mm-hmm. you know that bullshit. But like, what what inspired you to write it?
2: You know? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So so real quick, I. I um you definitely got it right on you the way that you interpreted the book is how i, I envision for folks to interpret it and comprehend the book but i do want to make a quick correction the uh-huh. the story is is one of those stories where i told you where the main character is not me the main character oh. is Hakobo.
1: okay all but right the
2: main character i experienced the same thing that's one of those things but you're uh-huh. right yeah so basically you got it right right it's something that i experienced also but um let me tell you what inspired me to write this book, a couple things, right? The first thing that inspired me is that when 21 Miles of Scenic Beauty came out, some some teachers were were hesitant to invite me to their classrooms. But especially K through 5, K, K through 5th grade, kindergarten mm-hmm. through 5th grade, they were like, "Oh, your, your book is t- is too advanced for our children," mm-hmm. right? Um, some of them would even tell me like kids are too young to have conversations about racism. Kids are too young to have conversations about society. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. Kids understand. Mm -hmm. Kids see it. Kids get bullied because they have different color, different color skin. Kids get bullied because they speak Spanish. Kids get bullied because they speak an indigenous language. Right? Mm -hmm. So how are you going to tell me you're too young? But anyways, so that got me kind of mad. I was like, I wrote 21 miles of scenic beauty for my community. I know for a fact, a fifth grader can read it. I know for a fact that fifth grader can read it. The, the stories are pretty easy to read, mm-hmm. right? Some, some, some fifth graders are reading at like a 12th grade level anyways, right? Yeah. And so, um, so for me, it, it, it kind of like, it, it disappointed me and it frustrated me that I wrote this book, the first book for my community, but yet I wasn't being invited or I wasn't being allowed to present this book for the little ones. Mm -hmm. I know how to break down my first book to the little ones, but I wasn't given the opportunity to do so. So I'm thinking to myself, I have to write a kid's book because if they don't invite me after my kid's book, then that's something, that's a bigger issue that they got going on, right? It's a bigger issue that, you know, they don't have to figure that out on themselves. But if I write this kid's book, then it's going to allow an avenue for me to continue to reach the younger folks, the younger kids, the K through fifth, those I love going to those classes. Mm-hmm. I love it, right? And and don't get me wrong. Let me let me let me make this clear. There are still teachers in Oxnard from K through fifth who invite me, who who invited me from the beginning with the first book. So don't, I'm not trying to say, oh, all teachers that no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay. Please don't misinterpret me. No, I'm saying that there was, I would say like 50-50, if not 60-40. 60% of the folks who were kind of like, nah, your book is too advanced for our kids, right? But so with this kid's book, I'm like, all right, I'm, let me think of a story that I wanna tell um, kids with a similar message as 21 Miles of Scenic Beauty. And the reason why I said, Angel, you hit it right on is because that's basically the moral of the story is, stay true to yourself, remember your roots and continue giving back in whatever ways you can. Every single person can give back. You may not, give, you may not be able to give back financially, but you can give back intellectually, you can give back socially, emotionally, right? And so this book became that project. It became the project that I needed to go to younger schools, to go to K through fifth schools, right? And so that's why I'm so happy and I'm so hyped. And I want to give a shout out to Grisella de los Reyes and Isaac Bizarro, who were two of the illustrators that helped me with this book. Grisela was the first, was the one who did the first book, the front cover and the back cover of the first book. But Isak Bisaro is a is a homie from uh, New York who's originally from Florida. He also helped me with this one. But Griselda and isaac I appreciate y'all. Shout out to y'all. Thank y'all for everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and you could tell the the drawing, the illustration is similar to the first one. I was asking like, like I thought you drew it. I was like, oh, did you draw it? Like, are you keeping something from us? Like, but like, all right, that's good. You're giving them credit. That's that's good. Um, so the what kind of impact has it had so far? Like, when did it come out? when um this book come out
2: it it came out technically speaking it came out in august okay so how many like four months yeah yeah Yeah. Uh so
1: like so far like what has the like the impact or what has the response been like in oxnard or like in general like to to this book to the key to the city
2: every every time i read the key to the city it the response that i get is a response that is kind of like about um it's about being seen, the response, like, hey, I could do that. Hey, I could do that. It's little kids recognizing, recognizing that they have something to offer without, ever, without someone ever telling them that they did.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So what, what, So after I'm done reading the book, I ask the students different questions. But one of the questions that I always ask is, who here has the key to the city? Right? Like, who here has the key to the city? Because the key to the city is a metaphor. I'm not going to tell the, re- the listeners the metaphor because y'all need to read it. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's a metaphor for something. So I asked them, who has the key to the city? And the kids are like, yeah, me, 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 right here, right here in the key to the city. And then the thing that I love the most about it is that it, it goes beyond what the book intended it to do. Because the biggest limitation of this book is that it only focuses on Spanish. Mm-hmm. But in Oxnard, there are many other languages that are being spoken. Spanish is probably one of the most popular ones. Spanish and English are some of the most popular ones, but there are also other languages that are happening in this community. So the thing that I love the most is when the little kids say, "Uh," when they they can make the connection without me making it for them. "Uh, I have the key to the city. I don't speak Spanish, but I speak Tagalog and I speak English and I help my, my grandma right in Tagalog, which is the Filipino, right? For, uh, yeah. Cause in Oxnard is a you know pretty big Filipino community mm-hmm. or, Hey, I, I don't speak, I don't speak Spanish, but I speak Mixtec mixteco, right? Which is an indigenous language in, in Mexico. And, you know, here in Oxnard, there are folks who speak that language. So like, I, I speak that in English and I speak Spanish and I was like, wow, you got a lot of keys to the city. You just don't have one. You got them all, right?
1: You have to get and your so, keychain, boy. Exactly. Or, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. We got to get you a keychain now, right? Yeah, and yeah. the lanyard or something, the let me know podcast lanyard. <laughs> there you go. Right? And so and so that's been the coolest thing is for me not necessarily to to force kids into saying like, "Hey, you need to learn this lesson. Hey, look, look read my book." No, no, no. I don't have to do that. They see themselves in the book and they're able to make the connections without me forcing them to make the connections. Because those are the live realities. That was my live realities. And yeah, and yes, it's true that there are differences and there has to be differences, right? I'm not a girl, you know, someone who, who grew up as a girl has a different experience than I do, right? But there are some similarities, and I'm so glad that they've been able to see those similarities and they've been able to be proud of those similarities, right? So that that's how that's it's, it's been it's been uh, it's been received very well. Um, and and it, it's been tough, though, because his book came out during the pandemic. So I, I don't really know how it would. I haven't had the opportunity to really reach out like that. It, it's hard enough for some for some teachers to have their students on Zoom to begin with, given like the Internet, given that some some of the students are actually working with their parents type of stuff, right? So, so it's been really tough to really do the outreach that I wanted to do, but it's been great to, to see it in the very, in, in the instances that I've had, had the opportunity to do so, to see it be received, very well by the community.
1: All right, man. Well, uh, I hate to be that guy, but you know, I guess we all want to know what's next. Like, I know you're, you're holding on to something you, but I know anything about you is that you're, you you can not see it still, you gotta do something. So let us know what, what do you got in mind? What, what, do you got in store for us next?
2: I always tell people, people always ask me, every time they see my book, they ask me, when's the next one coming out? I always tell them, you haven't even read the first one. You want, you want the second one and the third one? I just mess around with them, but I'm always working on different projects. But, um, I, well, remember how, you know, I wrote that dissertation. I wrote that dissertation as a book, so that's already a book, but I can't, I it can't be published anytime soon because I have to figure out some copyright, uh, it, you know, some copyright uh, agreement with that one. So I, I signed, I signed so that they couldn't own it. I signed so that they couldn't publish it. So um, yeah, nah, no, I, I, yeah, so I own everything. Um, I have the copyright to it, but it's just, I gotta figure something out for some other things that I, cause I, cause that book project is gonna be a book, but I also want it to be different things. And I gotta figure out the different things. So that's gonna be a thing, but um, I have, I have ideas for other books. I, I want to do like a, I want to do like a, I don't even like a pi, a picture book, picture book, like a picture book that only has like five words per page, like for like toddlers, a little bit like Dr. Seuss, but that's maybe too many words, but it's kind of like, kind of like the little, I like the little libros. Those are, those are dope. The little libros, shout out to those authors. I know it's two Latinas. I'm pretty sure it's two Latinas. I don't know their names. I apologize for not knowing their names, but shout out to them. They're, they're an inspiration. And I want to do something like that with, or, or, I do that where you can read it to like a toddler and a to- but it's not even about reading. It's about like, cause you know, you read in different ways. You just don't read through text. You read through visuals. So I want, I want folks, I want little kids to be able to read my book, uh, another book through like a visual. And so I already have a, ideas about that. But, um, other than that, you know, just, just trying to support in whatever ways I can, trying to stay safe, trying to, you know, uh. You know, continue teaching whatever ways I can. So, but um, those are just some projects that I have in mind that I've, I've been thinking about doing.
1: Snooping around your ID, I saw that you are doing stand up or that you did stand up? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Shh. You know, well, you do stand up. I mean, you're a comedian. So it's, yo, like, I've, I've presented my book in front of like thousands of people, like, furls. I've, I've been in a crowd that's like almost like 800 people, right? And I did stand up for the first time in Seattle in front of like 60 people. And I was so nervous, but it came out pretty cool. But I just felt like I rushed everything. I felt like I rushed everything, but the thing, but here's, here's where you can kind of learn about this. Okay. This one will be a hard one for you to do because this particular venue was a venue where they didn't allow for you to, for you to use like racist jokes or they didn't allow for you to use sexist jokes or, you know, all these different so you you had to be funny which is possible. You had to be funny without relying on stereotypes. right? So that's what I'm saying because a lot of times you can get in trouble for saying certain jokes right like, like how you opened up the, the episode. So that's the thing that I appreciated the most about the stand-up was that it forced me and I was thinking I was gonna do it anyways, right But it was nice to be in a space where it was expected not to do jokes like that because i don't know i'm sure the jokes would have worked in other places but i know for a fact that this space was made specifically to have fun be funny but don't be messed up you can be funny without being messed up that's true
1: yeah well i stepped away from that style of comedy i guess i i used to do it um i mean a big reason why i stopped is um so i haven't done stand-up for what a year and a half now I stopped because I wasn't saying anything of relevance, you know, nothing important. So I figured, you know what, let me stop. And hopefully within the time, then I'll come up with better jokes. But like my stand up isn't offensive or nothing like that. So I have a joke about uh, my girlfriend, for example. So I went about I went to to go buy her a Coke and she saw that the Coke had somebody else's name and then she she got all mad at me. So that's basically like what my the, the joke is about. It I don't think it's offensive. Like it's more against me. It's more
2: But even but 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 check this out though. But even that joke could be messed up. Because because why why is it assumed that why, why is it assumed that the toxic relationship is only because of the woman and not the guy?
1: Well in my situation, like I'm not telling you that um she's a bad person. It's more about me. It's about like the way I react to things, you know? Yeah. It also isn't my place to tell you how to think or how to feel like this these i'm just putting situations that are familiar that you at least you've heard and i'm really not saying anything bad about her i'm just i'm talking about the way i react to things they're more self-deprecating than anything like i'm not mentioning her um in any way i'm just saying putting her as an example of like um yeah she saw a coke somebody else's name on it and she got mad you know like you've heard those stories you've heard somebody on uh, like on Instagram or Facebook like who's this girl why is she calling you or like something like that it happens to be your sister or it happens to be your cousin or or whatever where like I understand you know it might be offensive to some because I'm using her but but these are my situations I, I identify as male I ended identified she's my girlfriend so these are just my situations it doesn't have to be like all women I never said all women I just said my partner my specific my girlfriend my fiance whatever that's the person that i mentioned like whether you it hits you on like on the nerve that's not really on me like i didn't mention you and i didn't mention your partner i didn't mention your girlfriend your boyfriend your significant other all i said was my situation but you know this is just like that like I, I don't think my stuff is offensive i mean i hope not i don't, that's not my intention when i tell a joke and you know, i don't go up there and be like you know i'm offend people today I mean, my hope is for them to get a laugh, but I understand. I mean, that that is a safe place. And hopefully there's more places like this over here. And maybe if I, if I find one, maybe I'll, I'll go up and I'll test out my jokes. My next question is, how do you feel about now Oxnard being known for Las Fresas, boxing, and your
2: book? You know, um, man, that's, yeah. thank you for, that's a, that's a beautiful line right there. I, I appreciate that. Um uh, it, it, it feels, I I don't want to, I'm not going to agree and say that, like, Oxide is known for my book, that, that's not what I want to do, um, but it feels good to have people read my book and be proud about being from a community where they once were not proud to be from, uh, you know, and so, um, but I'm not going to take that credit, I don't think my book is like that, like, some people would probably say that, some people would probably say that, like, your book, man, like, everybody knows about it, but, I'm not gonna be the one that say that, but I do appreciate how people think like that, and I do appreciate the feedback that I get. But it just feels, if it, it feels good that it feels good to have conversations with my mom about the things that I'm doing. That, if more than anything, that that's probably what 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 like like because people sometimes we can go to like a store, sometimes we'll go to a school, and there'll be students who'll be like, "Hey, you're the one who wrote that book, right?" can I get a picture or can, can I, you know, do you have any copies or the parents will ask me for a copy and stuff. Right. And then to see my mom see that, but then also to have that conversation with my mom about what is this the type of work that I'm doing? That's the important part because I could have been successful making money off of real estate and increasing the rent on people. Right. I'm not doing that. So it's the type of success, uh, I guess what people would consider success. So it's the type of work that I do that I'm most proud of. And to have those conversations with my mom, to have those conversations with a sibling, to have those little conversations with my niece and my cousins and my little, my little nephews, right? My goddaughter. So those, that's, that's the thing that kind of like, you know, that really drives me. That's the thing that, that really makes me proud of it, of the project and the projects that I'm doing.
1: Well, man, I'm sure that they're proud of you, cause I mean, if it means anything, I'm proud of you, man. A doctor, two books, some illustration books on top of it. Like you, honestly, I think you're you're hitting every demographic from pre-K all the way to college, cause you know your 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 books are part part of a curriculum. So at university, so. You know, for you to be at this level and I mean, you're so young, like, man, like I know I'm proud of you and I'm pretty sure your, your family's super proud of you. But before we end it, um, I want to know well, can you leave us on some advice?
2: A lot of times people ask me like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about becoming a writer. Like what do I got to know? What what do I got to know? What advice would you give me? And the advice that I would give you is the advice that I talked about earlier where Writing is a form of communication. What is the best way that you communicate with the people who you want to communicate with? Whenever you, when you are writing something or when you're creating something, right? Or even when you create this podcast, excuse me, there's a particular audience that you have in mind. There's a reason why you're doing this podcast. It's not for, it's for a particular population. And so the words of advice, that I would give those who are interested in becoming writers or those who who are who may try to build some courage to write their own stories, which you should. Every single person has their own powerful story and you never know whose life you're gonna change with that story until that story is out there, right? In whatever ways, you don't have to share all your stories. There's some stories that I don't share still because they're very personal. But when you do build the courage and you do build the confidence to share the stories that you wanna share, understand that you have it in you. Just find that form of communication. There are different ways to tell a story. What format are you going to use? And how are you going to use your talents to write that story? So that's my words of advice. Appreciate y'all so much for listening in. I can't wait to share this with all my gente, with everybody. Appreciate y'all. Um, did you want me to do the plugs or you want to do something else? Yeah,
1: just let us know where they could find you, your Instagram. I know you got the the book and audio form also. So let us know where they could find you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So you can, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Marty Moose, M-A-R-T-Y-M-O-O-S-E. Folks, for folks who see me on the streets, you can call me Marty Moose, you can call me Moose, but you cannot call me Marty. Okay. Only Martin. Or you call me Marty Moose, say the whole thing. You say Moose or Martin, right? Or some of the students call me Dr. G, you call me Dr. G too, right? But, but so, that's the Instagram. The Twitter is scholar for the, n- the number four RM Ox. So it's scholar from Ox. And then I do a lot of collaboration work. I do a lot of projects for Viva Oxnard. Viva Oxnard on Twitter and Instagram V I V A O X N A R D. And you can find that on on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Viva Ox. Now you can find a lot of projects that I contribute to on that page. There's a scholarship, app, there's a scholarship of fun. So many dope projects on Sunday. A couple of the folks and I are gonna give out free mass and conchas on Sunday. So I don't know when this is gonna be put out and published. But...
1: Nah, I would have been too
2: late. Yeah, it'd be too late. But yeah, so so um, but yeah, that's it.
1: Uh, what about 15 miles of beautiful brown people?
2: You can find it on free on YouTube. Yeah, find it on free YouTube. But if you have Spotify, if you have iTunes, whatever, Amazon Music, all those different platforms, it's available on all the platforms. But if you want to get it free, if you don't have the apps, if you haven't, if, you know, if you don't have the subscription to one of the apps, you can get it for free on YouTube.
1: All right, guys, that's it. Um, uh, make sure you go at him. Make sure you go grab his book. It's very important, you know. Support him. Support what he's doing because at the end of the day, it's to help enrich a whole community and to spotlight Oxnard because you already know just like wilmington we're not known for for the best things so his books really help that so go share it and go grab one of his books i got martin i'm gonna let you go but don't go anywhere all right, i'm just gonna end the recording and i'll talk to you guys in a little bit all right that was dr martin alberto gonzalez aka marty moose make sure you go listen to our other episode i think that was two years ago but Make sure you go listen to that episode and make sure you grab his book. Christmas is, what, a week away? And his book will, you know, will be a great gift. So, on that, I am doing a giveaway. I'm going to my Instagram to, you can get the full details. But, essentially, just add him, at Instagram, at me. And, all you gotta do is put that boxing glove emoji to enter. That's it. That's all you gotta do. So, make sure you go add us on Instagram. And if you are feeling generous and you want to do something for me, make sure you go to iTunes, leave me a five-star review. Don't forget to add me, subscribe. It's very important. And share us, share the show with your friends, with your family, with everybody. You know, at the end of the day, this is to help not only myself, but also my guests. And you know, the more people that we could read to Marty Moose's message, the better, right? so that's it for me oh also don't forget i do have merch like i said christmas is just around the corner i do have merch i have sweaters i have t-shirts i have pins let me know podcast pins they're eight dollars plus shipping and handling but all my merch is at teespring.com so make sure you go grab yourself a t-shirt a sweater and um i was thinking of making hats but i'm not sure so if you would like a hat, let me know. And if I get enough people, I'll make them. But we'll see. We'll see if that ends up happening. All right, guys, that's it for me. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you guys for letting me be part of your day. All right, guys, you so next time, I'll see you. Bye. <laughs>